When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. And this one it's transfer tips for game week two. So I'm going to go through the popular transfers in and out and give you my opinion on them. If you do enjoy the video, make sure to give it a like. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. And if you want to check out your suggested transfers over on Fantasy Football Hub, I've left all the links you need in the description below. So the first player we're going to talk about is Ben Chilwell, who did go up in price overnight. So he was 5.5 million. He's now 5.6. But that's a price price point where he's still well worth considering I think the attacking and defensive potential over the next six game weeks is very high and a lot of that is down to the fixtures which I did talk about quite a lot in yesterday's video but a quick reminder about how good they are West Ham away this week then you got back-to-back -back home games Luton and Nottingham Forest in game weeks three and four then it's Bournemouth away Villa at home Fulham away so even if you were concerned about Chelsea because of how they played last year I think some of that has probably been alleviated in terms of the performance against Liverpool. It wasn't great for the whole game, but after about 20-30 minutes, they played pretty well. They've also now confirmed the signing of Caicedo, so he's definitely a Chelsea player. And it looks like they're getting close to Lavia as well. Now, I don't necessarily expect Lavia, Caicedo and Fernandez to start as a three every single game. But in fixtures where it is maybe a bit more difficult, Pochettino could go for that. And even if he doesn't go for all three, Caicedo and Fernandes is a great partnership in that midfield. So I would expect Chelsea to improve a lot, both defensively and from an attacking potential. And I think Ben Chilwell, like individually, is so good in attack, it's hard not to go with him. Like just in that first game, and it is just a one-game sample, he put up 0.47 expected goals per 90, 0.47 expected assists. I would definitely expect those numbers to drop down, but they're still going to be very good if he's deployed in that really attacking fashion that he was against Liverpool. Now, it is worth saying, when the team sheet came out, a lot of us thought it was a back five. And I've got to be honest, in the way that it kind of played out, it still felt like a back five to me. But Pochettino said after the game that Chilwell was a left winger, and it was actually a back four with Carwell left back. That was probably because of Trent and Salah down that side. So he was thinking of solutions to combat that. But I think even if they do go back to a, a straight-up back four with Chilwell left-back, Reese James right-back, Chilwell is still going to be extremely attacking. We saw that in pre-season. And if there is going to be one side, either on the left or the right, where the fullback is getting forward, all the signs in pre-season were that it's going to be Chilwell ahead of James. Now, I talked yesterday. I still think a double-up is worth considering. But if you're only going to go for one of these players, it probably is Ben Chilwell based on what we've seen so far. But, of course, he's now gone up to 5.6. So that makes him a little bit trickier to get because unless you've got a 5.5 million defender with 0.5 in the bank or a 5 million defender with a million in the bank, etc., you can't get to him in one move. The only thing I would say, West Ham away is not a fixture where I think Ben Chilwell is going to be absolutely essential. So for most people, there's no need to make a transfer in game week one. You can roll, uh, sorry, in game week two, you can roll it into game week three and then have two free transfers to deal with whatever you need to do. So one of those moves could be to downgrade an attacker 
and get the money to get Chilwell from whichever defender you want to sell. I think game week three onwards is really where I'd want to have at least two, maybe three Chelsea. But game week two is not going to be essential. So even at 5.6 million, a great option. But don't panic if you can't get to him this week. All right, let's talk about Gabriel for Arsenal, who wasn't in the starting 11 against Nottingham Forest in game week one. And I think he'd started like 73 or 74 games in a row. So it was a massive surprise. And the key question is, what do you now do with him moving forward? Now against Forest, it was a back four on paper of Party, Saliba, White and Timber. But that's not how it played out during the game. There was defenders moving into midfield. And I can only assume... That because Mikhail Arteta knew it was a home game and they'd have a lot of possession, he wanted players that were better on the ball, and that is why Gabriel got dropped. Apparently, it wasn't an injury, it was just a tactical decision. In some ways, that makes it worse, because if he did have a slight knock, you think, okay, fine, it's annoying that he's missed game week one, but he should be fine going forward. But because it's tactical, the question is now, how often... Will Arteta make that same decision moving forward? Now, one thing to note from the Forest game is Timber went off with an injury. We don't yet know exactly what it is, but there's lots of rumours going around that he's done his ACL. And if that is the case, he's going to be out for a long time. So that could mean that Gabriel's minutes go back up. The only problem is during that Forest game, when Timber went off, it was Tommy Asu that came on for him. Gabriel only came on later on when Arsenal were trying to make sure they got the win because Forrest were attacking quite a lot. So it's not even guaranteed that he would definitely start with Timber out. Now, in terms of what you do moving forward, I think for most people you'd probably keep. If you were in the camp of having Gabriel plus 0.5 million and you've already moved to Chilwell, I think that's quite a good move. But unless you've got more money than that in the bank, you now can't do it because he's 5.6 million. I think there's a good chance that he starts against Crystal Palace away. Bearing in mind that he did start against Man City in the Community Shield. So it's not like Arteta's just forgotten about him completely. I think games like Crystal Palace away game week two, Man United at home game week four, Everton away game week five, Spurs at home game week six are all games where he could definitely feature. The problem is in other games, like Fulham at home, Another match where they might have a lot of possession and Arteta might want players that are better on the ball. Could he drop him? And that is the problem you now have going forward. By definition, he is more of a rotation risk. And when the Arsenal team sheet comes out, you're always going to be looking for him. Now, without Timber, I think we're going to see Ben White, Saliba, Gabriel, and then probably Zinchenko when he's fit on the left. He can continue moving into midfield just like last year. And then you've got that back three that was very good for Arsenal. So I think he'll probably be okay moving forward. And that is why I'd probably keep him for game week two. But at some point, it might be worth thinking about moving him on. But I don't know if there's a rush to do it this week. The only other thing to mention, by the way, is there were rumours on Twitter yesterday that there's going to be a bid coming in from the Saudi league and that he could leave Arsenal. I'll believe that when I see it. I haven't seen it from a journalist that I would necessarily trust so far, but we can check out any developments as we get closer to Friday's deadline. But I think for most people I would keep. The other thing that I know people will be concerned about is whether he's going to drop in price. Now, you can check the price changes for free on Fancy Football Hub. I will say it's almost impossible to predict this with 100% accuracy in terms of exactly when a player is going to go up or drop down in price. But basically... When they get towards a target of like 90% plus, I would say there's a good chance they're going to rise quick uh, soon. Sorry, not necessarily quickly, but soon. And similarly, if you see a player is minus 90% or more, then that means they're probably close to dropping in price. So right now, Timber, Calvert-Lewin, Kepa, and Stones 
are all close to dropping 0.1 million. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen overnight tonight, but it could happen over the next couple of days. So you can check that out for free. I'll leave a link in the description below. But if we search for Gabriel, he's minus 22%. So he's not dropping that quickly, which is why I don't think you necessarily need to panic before game week two. In terms of replacements, Saliba is close to a rise. I don't know if that is a move that I would make. Like, I've got Saliba in my own team. I was lucky enough to have that news before game week one. But I think there's a chance that I swap him in game week three, maybe even this week, to someone like Reese James. Because the only other player in my team that I could look to do it with is Estrepinia. And I just think he's so attacking, I don't really want to drop him. So I don't want to suddenly now say that the, Ars uh, the Arsenal fixtures aren't that good, because they are. I think we'd all be happy playing one of their defenders in Crystal Palace away, Fulham at home, Everton away, and Bournemouth away. But I don't know if it's an essential move that you need to do this week of Gabriel to Saliba. And the other thing I guess to think about is if you want to drop down to a 4.5 million defender, if there's no other fives that you like, I think Botman is a good long-term move, but you're not going to play him the next three weeks. The other player I would look at is Rico Henry, who was great for Brentford against Spurs. But they did play a back three, and he was a wing back. They'll probably move to a back four for the next few fixtures. But it doesn't mean he can't be attacking. And obviously, with the fixtures they've got, there's plenty of clean sheet potential. You've got Fulham away, Palace at home, Bournemouth at home. Newcastle away is definitely tricky. But then it's Everton at home game week six, Forest away game week seven. So if you want a 4.5 that you're going to play a lot, I would look at Rico Henry. If you've got the money to go to Chilwell or you want to go to James, I don't think that's a bad move. But I think for most people... You can just hope that he plays against Palace and just hold him in your team and reassess ahead of game week three. If Timber's out and Gabriel still doesn't line up in that game, then he's probably got to be gone in game week three. So the second highest transferred in midfielder this week behind Bakayo Saka is Rodri of Man City. And at the time recording, he's got 226,891 new owners. Now, I would expect that a lot of people watching and listening to this are not the types of FPL managers to have brought him in or even be considering it. But we are early on in the season. There are a lot of new people playing the game. So I wanted to talk about him anyway. Generally, this isn't the type of player that you would go for in FPL. I know he got a goal and assist in the first game, but most Mostly he plays as a defensive midfielder, so his attacking output is not going to be that high. And he also takes up a Man, Man City spot. Obviously, you can only have three players from one team. Right now, I've only got Haaland, so it wouldn't be an issue. But down the line, all it takes is a couple of injuries, and all of a sudden I'm looking at one of their defenders, I'm looking at one of their midfielders. I wouldn't want that to be blocked from having Rodri. Now, to be fair, just to play devil's advocate a little bit here, if you look at his returns for the last couple of seasons, he's been fairly consistent. Last year, two goals, six assists, so eight returns total. The year before, it was seven goals, two assists, so it was nine total. And you could say for 5.6 million, because he has gone up in price now, in isolation, that's okay. He'll get a lot of appearance points. Man City will keep a lot of clean sheets, so he'll get the extra point there as well. So he could be okay for 5.6 million compared to the other options. But he also, more importantly takes up a midfield spot lots of us are on 3-5-2 I'm sure a lot of you aren't happy with the likes of Rashford and Fernandes after last night and we'll talk about that later on but even outside them there are so many players you could go for Martinelli, Saka, Richarlison, Madison, Eze, Imbermo, Matoma etc that's seven players outside of the two Man United players that's already nine and that's just off the top of my head I just wouldn't want one of those spots taken up with Rodri so if you're considering this put the phone down 
close the FPL website, you don't need to transfer him in. So talking of knee-jerk transfers, Alexander Izak was the first player to rise in price this season. He's now 7.6 million. He did really well in game week one, couple of goals, finished with 13 points. Happy days if you started with him. But in terms of bringing him in, I just don't get it. Newcastle are going to be brilliant again this season. I'm sure they'll be pushing easily for top four. But fixtures matter for every team. And they've got Man City away this week. Probably the hardest fixture you can have all season. Then it's Liverpool at home and Brighton away. Are Newcastle going to be worried about playing any of those teams given how good they've been? Absolutely not. But when I'm looking to bring players in... I don't check to see if they've got Man City away, Liverpool at home and Brighton away. I tend to try and avoid that instead. I'm all for getting Newcastle players from game week five onwards. The fixtures get much better. I'll definitely be looking at their defenders in particular. But also Champions League kicks back up around that time. And we don't yet know how Eddie Howe's going to handle that in terms of rotation. So I just wouldn't advise bringing Izak in. I did look at which forwards are being transferred out. And to be fair, there were some picks that weren't necessarily great from the off. Like Darwin, we knew he probably wasn't going to start. Wilson didn't start. A lot of people seem to still have Jesus and Nkunku as well, who were obviously injured. But I'd prefer to be moving to players like João Pedro or Watkins in particular or Nicholas Jackson that have got better fixtures over the next couple of weeks. We can look at players like Isaac from game week five onwards. The other thing to note, they did just start with one of Isaac or Wilson, which I thought was going to happen based on pre-season. And I think we'll continue to see that moving forward. I don't think we're going to see Wilson number nine and Isaac left wing very often whatsoever. And look, Isaac did well, but when you look at the minutes he played, it was only 67. And that's probably going to be a trend moving forward because Eddie Howe has the luxury of bringing on Callum Wilson. He's so good, he could easily start in this Newcastle team, and they wouldn't be much worse. For what it's worth, I think Isaac's one of the best forwards in the game. And I would, and I said before the season started, I did think he would be first choice ahead of Wilson. And based on that first game, that seems to be the case. But he's still going to have his minutes managed. And it's great that he got the two goals before he got subbed off. But generally, you don't want players that are at risk of being subbed that early, especially when there's loads of other forwards you could choose from. And I'm sure this will come back to bite me. He'll go and get three to four goals over the next three game weeks and I'll look like an idiot. That's fine. It's happened plenty of times before. But he's just not a player I would go for, especially with Man City away. Toughest game you're going to have all season. So another player that picked up an injury in game week one is Kevin De Bruyne. And I've got to be honest, I was a little bit surprised to see him in the start in 11 because the only minutes he'd had during pre-season were in the Community Shield, and that was off the bench. And I felt like Burnley away wasn't the kind of fixture where they needed him to win. So it didn't feel like it was worth the risk. Maybe that's a bit harsh. There's a little bit of hindsight talking there. I'm sure the medical staff had all the information they need to say that he could start that game. But either way, he's now someone in FPL that we're going to have to deal with because it looks like another hamstring issue. At the time of recording, we don't know how long he's out for, but presumably it's going to be at least two to four weeks, if not longer. You can't have that much money just sitting on your bench. So he's probably got to be sold and it probably has to be this week. He has dropped in price from 10.5 to 10.4. Not ideal, but he is the second most expensive midfielder in the game. So you can get to everyone else pretty easily. In terms of replacements... I was looking at the points projections on Fantasy Football Hub. Again, if you want to check these out for yourself, all the links you need are in the description below. And I pretty much agree with the order, or at least the top five players. So number one is Salah. If you've got the money and you can easily get him, get to him in one or maybe even two moves and you want to captain him this week, 
I really don't mind it as long as you're happy with the rest of the structure of your squad. In terms of players that are cheaper, despite how badly Man United played last night, and if you didn't watch the game, it was truly awful. They didn't really get a huge amount of chances. I still think Rashford and Fernandes are perfectly good going forward. My number one would probably still be Bakayo Saka. I think I'd probably just about have him ahead of Fernandez, maybe Rashford as well. But any of those three players are good picks. Madison is a good long-term pick as well, though I don't know if I'd bring him in for Man United at home in game week two. Ironically, both Spurs and Man United will probably have an easier time in game week two than they did in game week one. I know Spurs scored two goals in that fixture against Brentford, but I think overall, given how Man United played yesterday... It probably will be a little bit easier for them. They're going to have the chance to play through the middle. Like Cunha, in particular, last night for Wolves, just constantly just ran through the Man United midfield. It was pathetic, to be honest with you. And I don't know how quickly Ten Hag is going to be able to sort that out. So if you wanted him as a long-term pick, I guess it's not the worst player to bring in this week. And then you've got the likes of Martinelli, Odegaard. I don't know if I would rush out to get them this week. And in Burma, if you want someone a lot cheaper, he's still my pick of the 6.5 million midfielders. So plenty of options you can go for. I guess whichever player you were thinking about going for instead of De Bruyne, just bring them in for game week two is probably the play. Just quickly on what this means for other Man City players. Obviously, the minutes of the likes of Foden and Alvarez probably go up. I still don't think it's completely guaranteed that they start every single game. And I also don't think Man City will go without, sorry, go through this uh, early part of the season without buying someone. Like the transfer window is still open. If they don't sign someone to cover this, I'd be really surprised. They probably needed someone else to come in anyway. And I think this will just help them accelerate that. There's lots of obviously talk about the move for, uh, get the name out, Paqueta from West Ham. West Ham won a lot of money for that move, so we'll see if it happens. But they're likely to bring someone in, and that's obviously going to affect the minutes of all the Man City players. So I wouldn't rush out and buy Alvarez or Foden. But if I had both of them, I'd definitely be looking to keep for Newcastle at home in game week two, hoping that moving forward for Sheffield United away, Fulham at home, West Ham away, Forest at home, their minutes go up because of this injury. So I think deep down, most FPL managers tend to panic a little bit whenever one of their players blanks. But that is especially true after game week one because transfer activity is so high. And I think that's what's happening with Eze. He's been sold by 83,500 FPL managers already. He's blanked against Sheffield United in game week one. You're now looking at the FPL page, seeing that he's got to play Arsenal at home. That's not a great fixture. And so there is some panic setting in. And to go along with that, Diaby, Barnes, Imbermo, Matoma and March have all returned. And most of them, not all of them, but most of them, I've got pretty good fixtures moving forward. So there is that temptation to sell. What I would say is calm down a little bit. Most of your picks in game week one were with a view of the first kind of three to four game weeks. So Eze's got plenty of time to return. Nothing's really changed from that first game. He's nailed on. We know he's still on penalties. His minutes are going to be great. And if you watch that game against Sheffield United, he was extremely unlucky not to return. So do I think he's a great pick for game week two? Not really. I think a lot of the other 6.5s, especially Brighton and possibly in Burmo, were slightly better shorter-term picks. But after that, you got Brentford away game week three, Wolves at home game week four, Villa away game week five, Fulham at home game week six. It's Man United away in game week seven, which again, based off last night, might not be difficult. But I think we can still call that a fairly hard fixture. But then even after that, it's Forest at home. So from game weeks two to eight... The only two fixtures I'd be massively worried about 
are probably Arsenal at home, which is this week, and Man United away, which isn't until game week seven. So I think Eze is a pretty easy hold. And this may or may not interest you, but I was looking further ahead at transfers last night. And I am getting a bit ahead of myself because so much can change in the first few weeks. But we've all got our eye on Spurs players. I definitely do. Madison, even Richarlison, I haven't given up on after just one game. But I don't think I can probably get them in game week three. It would have to be game week four. And they've still got two good fixtures. But then after that, if I just go on to the FPL page here, they run into Arsenal away game week six and Liverpool at home game week seven. Now, again, after that, the fixtures are good. But if I'm only buying in game week four for Burnley away and Sheffield United at home, is that worth it with Arsenal away and Liverpool at home? It might be that Eze is a slightly better pick, but also he saves you 0.5 to 1 million over Richarlison and Madison, and that might be useful for other areas of your squad. So I already talked about Isaac. We might want other Newcastle players, especially defenders, and if you want their best one, Trippier, he's going to cost you 6.5 million. So right now, I get it. It doesn't look great for Eze. He's blanked in one of his easiest fixtures in the first six weeks. Madison's already got two assists. There's loads of midfield moves you want to make, but down the line, the fact that he's only 6.5 million could be really helpful with future moves. So, yeah, hasn't got a great fixture this week. I wouldn't panic. Most people generally just do not need to make a transfer in game week two. So another player that picked up a big injury in game week one is Tyrone Mings. And it does look like it's going to keep him out for a long time. Obviously, wish him a speedy recovery. Same with Timber and De Bruyne as well. Now, from an FPL point of view, I think Aston Villa are definitely going to miss him. I think when Paul Torres came in, and this was definitely my viewpoint, it was that he was going to play and Mings would then be on the bench. But Aston Villa fans kept saying that Mings was so good last year. He's definitely a leader in that team. He's going to continue getting minutes. And obviously, he was in the lineup for game week one against Newcastle. So straight away, that is going to be a big miss for the Aston Villa defence. I would definitely prefer to wait and see how they get on then get them ahead of Liverpool away in game week four, Chelsea away in game week six, Brighton at home in game week seven. Now, to be fair, outside of that, it's Everton at home this week, Burnley away game week three, and Palace at home game week five. Maybe not that bad, but I'd still want to wait and see just how good that defence is without Tyrone Mings. In terms of those of you that own him, he doesn't necessarily have to be sold this week. He's probably not a player that you were looking to play week in, week out anyway. So you could just bench him if you've got three or four other defenders that you could play instead. But if you are looking to move him on, I think there's some pretty obvious options to look at. And I've already mentioned a couple of these when I was talking about Gabriel. And they kind of match up with the points projections on Fantasy Football Hub. So I looked at the next eight game weeks. Botman is predicted to score the most points. Again, you wouldn't really want to play in the next three weeks. Man City, Liverpool and Brighton. But after that, the fixtures get good. They've got Wan-Bissaka down as the second best 4.5. I've got to be honest, I disagree with that a little bit. I think Dallo will probably get minutes at some point, And that makes Wan-Bissaka a bit of a rotation threat. I do think right now he's ahead in terms of being first choice. But that doesn't mean you're going to play every game. Then you've got Pinnock and Henry. They are the two that I would look at if you're going to be playing a defender every week for the next few weeks at 4.5 because the Brentford fixtures are just so good. You've got Colwell at Chelsea. We know how good their fixtures are as well. I'd just be a little bit concerned that he won't start every game. I think when they go to a back four, Dezazi started really well for Chelsea. They've got Thiago Silva. Badia Sheila will be back at some point. I don't know if Colwell is so good as an FPL option that he's worth that little bit of a risk. I'd rather go for someone like Udogi instead for Spurs. Again, not great fixture this week, 
But for game weeks three, four, and five, you could play him if needed to. And he did look fairly attacking. So they're probably the main players I'd look at. Henry for Brentford, if you need to play someone every single week for the next kind of four to five. Udogi for the bench, possibly Botman as well as a long-term pick. But for 4.5 million, there are a lot of options for our squad. So Mings being out isn't great. You never want to have to make a transfer straight away. But there's at least loads of players that you could go for. If you've enjoyed that video, make sure to give it a like and hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on podcast, please do rate this five stars on whatever platform you're listening on. Otherwise, check out Fantasy Football Hub. Links in all of the descriptions below. And I will catch you again tomorrow for another video. Sports Social Podcast Network.